Hey there, everybody. Shel Brodnax here with the Newbie webinar series. If everybody can out there just help me test our audio and our visual, type in that chat box where you're from and how long you've been in business. And that way I know that you can A, see me and you can B, hear me. And then I'm going to introduce my special guest today. So we'll wait for a few people to jump in on this uh, just to make sure that everybody can hear. Anna. Awesome, Anna, for six months, that means that everything is working well. So I just wanna take a minute to introduce uh, myself. Again, I'm Shell Brodnax, I'm the CEO of the Real Estate Staging Association. It is my pleasure to bring you this series once a month for anybody that's new, getting started in the industry. If you're even thinking about tipping your toe in our pond, we welcome you and we wanna share a little bit about uh, the industry and uh, answer some burning questions. Uh, so next, I want to introduce the lovely, the beautiful Christy Barnett. Christy is an award-winning expert in residential paint color, home staging, and decoration. Uh, with graduate degrees in both or psychology and education, she brings a unique point of view to the design industry. So she is the founder and sole instructor for the RISA-accredited Expert Psychological Staging and Psychological Color Expert Certification courses. These are accredited through RISA, which is no small feat because it's... Uh, quite a lengthy application process. And we just uh, wanna make sure that everybody out there that's accredited has met our standards. And Christy, you have done that. And welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. I always love having you. So Christy is one of those uh, women out there that I, if I was ever going to go into business with, well, I, I see everything that Christy's done with her business. So I know she's got both sides of the brain, left side, uh, right side brain, which analytical and creative. Uh, if I was ever going to go into business with somebody, this is the creative person that I would want on my oh, team. Thank you. Thank She's you. She's got it's quite a color, fabrics, texture. I don't, I was just telling them like, look, there's going to be some questions on this. And I'm like, I don't like it. I'm not into it. Color doesn't really excite me. I like blue. I like blue. I like tweed. I like suede. Tweed, you know, tweed is a color. <laughs> tweed is a fabric. We're talking about fabric stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I just like, you know, I just like my own little stuff. And sure. Christy, when you when I see the things that you post about um, through social, it makes me want to like it. I, I look at your stuff and I'm like, oh my God, this, this, that kind of excites me. I see what you're doing uh, with your mansion. Well, let's don't call it that. <laughs> let's don't call it that. What do it's we call it? It's just an old house. It's just an old historic it's a house. beautiful home. And I just Thank see you. the things that you're doing with it. And I'm like, wow, that's just so smart. So well, smart. it's really, it's been a, a lifelong dream. Um, one that I never thought um, that I could be a part of. So it's been really exciting. We've been restoring for, um, for the last year and we've got tons of things left to do, but it's been a lot of fun for me for sure. Yeah. I, I like watching the story and I like that you've turned it into that on social. It's super smart, by the way. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah, absolutely. Are you ready to get rolling? Yes, ma'am. All right. Let's make it happen. So first question, how do you get started in home staging business? What training should I take? What a fantastic question this is. So as I just mentioned, there are accredited training providers and I didn't mention it, but there's also non-accredited training providers. And what the RISA accreditation means is that we have uh, developed a system for educational providers to submit their courses to us for review to make sure that they meet our standards for education. Now, what I did was I wrote this program many years ago. I followed the U.S. Department of Guidelines um, for uh, post-collegiate secondary school systems for accreditation process. 
and went through and figured out what are all the staples? What are all the things that are really important for somebody that are wanting to get into the staging industry and what they should be looking for in a school? And one of the things that happened many years ago, I'll go ahead and use their name because they're no longer in business. Um, Haver Hell, as we used to call them, um, came on the market and legit straight up ripped off thousands of people. And my phone was ringing every day for months of just people that were so upset um, that it's literally just been taken for a ride. And we couldn't do anything about it because we didn't have a working relationship with that organization. But I thought to myself, what can we do to ensure something like this never happens again? So we wrote the accreditation program. So there are training providers that are accredited by reset means they've met our standards. It's a lengthy application process. There's 62 topics within starting a staging business that we want them to touch on. However, we don't teach them or we don't tell them or mandate or regulate how it is they teach it. So for example, um, somebody's gonna, they're gonna talk about color. Uh, one organization, one instructor might think a certain type of color philosophy. Christy might use something different. She might have something proprietary in nature that she talks about in her class. So we wanna give everybody the freedom to be able to teach the way they want to. Uh, so with that being said, Christy is accredited through us. So she would be a great place to start. And then in addition to that, not only do you get the business, but you also get the creative aspect because uh, she's very heavy on the, on the color and the texture and all the things that don't excite me, but do excite her. So did, did I sum that up well, Christy? Yes, yes. And actually, um, I have a little story myself. I started staging in 2003. And it was back when this was like before there was HGTV stuff going on. Um, I read about it in a newspaper article. And that's where I first um, learned about it. And so when I started staging, I was desperately looking for you know, information and training and that kind of thing. And there was a company that came through our town, um, you know, to realtors, um, the brokerages and were giving out information about their staging course. And I took one of those, I took that course. And um, it wasn't the one you mentioned, but it's one that's no longer in existence. And it was basically somebody who was a serial business uh, training company that just started new things all the time and they had no background in staging. They didn't know what they were talking about. It was just a big waste of money. So, so I appreciate the whole accreditation process in that way. And now, you know, we, we do know where to go uh, to get good training and that's really important. Yep, absolutely. So I, I just spent years of making mistakes <laughs> and trying this and that and, you know, at first not making money and then uh, finally learning and through experience and, and trying to find out everything I could possibly learn uh, before I could become successful in my business. And so um, that's a lot of what I try to teach people is the things that I wish I had known in the beginning so you don't have to make all those mistakes and I'm sure the other training pro programs are, are that way as well yeah everybody pulls from their own experience so yeah. there's been a lot of mistakes made in our industry mm -hmm. I, I, I have also I've been in the industry since 2002 and uh, I've seen it all we, we've we've seen it all we're like OG you know just mm -hmm. so original so I recommend that you go to the website, Risa website, look under the education tab on the menu, find the staging training, uh, review all the accredited providers and make a list of, of them. And you know, the pros and cons and what attracts you, what doesn't attract you. And then also most every single one of them is gonna have some sort of webinar that you can jump on because you wanna see their style as well. See if it's something that you vibe with. 
because just because you might not vibe with them doesn't mean they're, they're not a great training provider. They could be great, but it might just not be something that you are identifying with on whatever level. And that's okay. So if you use that method, you will surely find the training provider that is right for you. Next question. Would you recommend buying or renting large furniture peaches when first starting out? Um, this is a great question. Let me kick this one to you first and I'll piggyback on you. Yeah, um, I would say no. I would say no. So first of all, you got to kind of figure out, you know, if you're going into staging and, and this is all new for you, are you going to be doing occupied staging or are you doing vacant staging? Because they're, they're, they're very different. And if you're just starting out, um, it's really good to kind of start with something that you don't have to invest a lot of money in. Um, you know, you don't have to go into debt over. And you can do that with kind of um, baby stepping into staging. So you can start with doing staging consultations. Uh, you can do occupied staging and buy accessories as you go. And then you can start, you know, kind of gathering furniture over time. Um, if you want to go full into vacant staging from the beginning and you know that, then you can start out, you know, with using rental companies. And for me, like when I teach my stagers about, you know, the processes that work, that, that have worked best in my experience, it's not getting in over your head too soon, figuring out the business, learning what your, your systems are, coming up with your pricing and what services you're going to offer, and then how you're going to lay those out. That's really important before you just jump in and buy a bunch of furniture. So you can start with um, just doing rental companies that are local and, you know, and do that. And you have a whole lot less overhead. You don't have to, to worry about a lot of things that you have to worry about when you start buying large amounts of furniture. And then you can baby step that into buying pieces here or there and storing them in your own house. So when I started, I was storing, I had a finished basement in the bottom of my house and that's where I stored my furniture. And some people start out that way and then they move into storage units. And then if they really want to go all the way into vacant staging, at that point, they're ready to have a little experience under their belt and they're ready to kind of step into warehousing and hiring employees, but just know that there's a lot more overhead and responsibility at that level for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That was just beautifully said. I could not agree more. Um, I do know people that have gone out in their first year and have taken out a $150,000 loan and put it towards their business and they made it work. Um, I don't, I definitely don't recommend that for everybody. Um, it, it's, but it's all, what's your business model going to be? How dedicated are you? What's your commitment level? How much of a go-getter are you? Um, how many times have you been knocked down and got back up anyway? I mean, all these things, just your person, just the core of who you are is yeah. really going to um, indicate how much risk you want to take and what do you, and how much do you want to risk? Um, so Shell, I think it's so interesting because I really do think there are, um, there's a personality that goes along with people, you know, people typically, once they kind of dabble in home staging, they kind of, most people pick a lane. They're either going to do occupied staging and staging consultations, or they're going to do vacant staging. There are some companies that do both, but most of them go one way or the other. And so I've done all of it. And eventually over time, I, my personality guided me in one direction, but other personalities go in a different direction. And so in the very beginning of my course, um, we do like an inventory, a little quiz, and I don't let them, I don't let my students know, because now I'm telling you, but I don't let my students know what we're exactly measuring. But basically, it's to show them, um, because you don't know what you don't know. 
uh, based on personality traits and your level of, you know, risk tolerance and, and all kinds of other things, if you're more a vacant staging person or an occupied staging person. So for example, like you and I, you definitely, if you were any kind of staging person, it would be vacant staging because you're the business minded person. You want to delegate that to other people. You want to get in the nitty gritty of the marketing and the business. And you'd rather somebody else probably do the figure out the colors and the design and all those kinds of things. And for me, I'm more of a relational, like I really like the relationship that I have with clients and I like dealing with the seller psychology as well as the buyer psychology. And I just really want to get in there, get my hands in there and do it myself. So I'm really more, my personality leans towards occupied, even though I've done, done both. Yep. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I, if I was going to do it again, I would be, it would be vacants. Um, yeah. I work with a lot of builders and investors and mm -hmm. I would have the creatives on my team that would be uh, begging me for a vacation. I would have them so busy. So that's, that's the fun part of it for me, but this is a great question. Um, so yeah, that's it. You can start out small, start out with the consoles. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people that start out that don't, you know, still have your full-time job yeah, and you're absolutely. doing consultations in the nights at night and on weekends, because let's face it, a lot of working people, that's the time that they have available. So if you can cater to that market, um, that's a really good market because a lot of stagers don't want to work nights and they don't want to work on the weekends and they've made those boundaries as so they should for their own business model. And you can come right in and swoop in on that. That's right. And you know, when I started out, I had young children and I didn't want to start it. I had come from the field of psychology and I had taken a break and had a couple of kids and didn't really want to go back to that. And so I wanted something creative, you know, a creative outlet. And I wanted to, um, to do something that was part-time and real flexible and I could make my own schedule. And so when I started out, that's how I did it. And I know a lot of stagers do that. They have maybe children still at home. They can't, you know, have a like a nine to five kind of business, at least not on the front end without help. And so uh, you can, again, you can stair step that. You can start like that, get, you know, kind of get used to the whole process and learn what you're doing and get some experience. And then you can, you know, go from there. Go all, just go all the way up if you want. Yep, absolutely. Sky's the limit. All right. How do you determine exterior colors? What do you base your formula on for determining the right colors in a dwelling? I'm going to kick this one straight to you as well. Are you sure you don't want to answer this one? Shelley? I'm pretty sure I don't. Uh, blue, some shade of blue. Blue, always. Actually, always. blue is a, a very, um, it's a universally loved color. So that's a good answer, actually. Uh, it just depends on the blue, right? Um, okay, yeah. so I'll tackle the first part, the determining exterior colors. Um, I'll just tell you on the front end, exterior colors are a lot more difficult than interior colors for several reasons. One of the reasons is because the color goes so big um, and in natural lighting conditions, the colors change and the way that you use them on an interior and the results that you have with that same color on an interior looks very, very different on an exterior. It goes a lot light, lighter. And for example, if you use a nice, what you consider a good neutral on the interior, and you decide to use that for the exterior, you, the undertones of that neutral are going to pop out in certain lighting conditions. Or if it's like rained in the afternoon at, or at the end of the day when there's shadows, you're really going to see those undertones. So I don't know if you've ever uh, noticed this before, but I've seen a lot of uh, what was supposed to be a gray exterior uh, turned out to be purple, um, especially yes. when it's raining. It looks very purple because- Periwinkle. 
People don't understand that every neutral has undertones. And if they aren't familiar with them and they don't know how to choose the ones that have the least amount of the right undertone, they can end up with a purple house. So it, it's pretty tricky. Um, as far as the formula, I'll, I'll just throw out a few things. I mean, there's lots to it, but one of the things for exteriors is you've got to pay attention to uh, the, the elements that are not going to change. So it definitely matters what, you know, kind of roof do you, you have brown roof, a gray roof, a black roof. Um, I have people all the time ask me, you know, what's the best, you know, white or what's the best neutral for an exterior? And I'm like, well, okay, I need to know the roof color. I need to know if there's any brick and the color of the brick. I need to know, uh, are the windows, you know, are they replacement windows? Are they completely white? Are they almond? Are they black? Whatever. So there's lots of things like that. You also have to consider the neighborhood and what's appropriate the style of the home and those kinds of things. So there's a lot that goes into that. Um, in, in terms of interiors, um, basically in the way that I train in terms of color and creating color palettes for interiors, whether it be for, um, for selling a house or for someone living in a house, is I like to establish what I call an anchor neutral first. And that's gonna be the neutral with the right undertone for that particular house that kind of weaves the story throughout the whole house. So it's not in every room because what we found um, is that uh, color creates memory. And so if you just paint the, you know, do builder beige or builder gray or, or white in an entire house that you're gonna sell, um, there's no change. Every room you go into, the memory doesn't change. And so people walk away from that and they don't remember that house. It doesn't create emotional attachment for them. So you do have to, you know, add in color. Sometimes you can do that with props and furnishings and things like that, but sometimes you can do it with a nice muted uh, blue or green or, or some specific colors that you might use in the bedroom or you might use in an office or a dining room or something like that. So, um, but you also have to really pay attention to what those finishes are in the house. So what kind of flooring is it? Is it tile? Is it travertine? Is it warm? Is it cool? Is it marble? Do you have granite countertops? Do you, what kind of tile are you working with? What kind of furnishings are in the house? If it's an occupied staging, you really kind of have to think of all those things uh, before you can make the right, right decision. Um, so that's, that's exactly what I train in my course. Very, very specific in uh, paint color training. And um, I even have painted boards that I include in the training where you can um, learn how to pick the right undertone, the right neutrals, and uh, where to apply them, where not to apply them, and that kind of thing. So I'm very, very specific about that. Yep, I love it. And let me tell you, the one thing that I could encourage any stager, if you are in the you're in the business of staging people and you are, people are going to ask you about color. They're going to ask you about paint is something that you should learn about. I cannot stress enough the monumental importance of taking and completing and understanding a color class and understanding color and the tones and the undertones. Here's why you're going to be working with people who are fixing to sell their home. Now, whether they want to go the DIY route, or they're going to hire painters to come in and do the job. Either way, it's costing them money based off the recommendation that you make. If you choose the wrong color and they have to repeat it and all that paint they have to buy again, if, they, if they're DIY, that all their sweat equity, they have to do that all over again and they're really going to be angry. And then if they have to write a check again to somebody else, then they're really, really going to be angry. Um, and I know this because I've made this mistake myself. So my parents have exquisite taste and my dad's gave me a color swatches and 
sent me on my way from North Carolina back to California. And when I decided to sell my home, I said, oh, to do what Michael and Tony do in their house, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to sell it. Man, let me tell you what, this paint color in my dad's kitchen and went to my kitchen could not have been further away from what's in his home. It's just the, he had white cabinets. He's got more light coming in. He's got 5,000 square feet open floor plan. I had, you know, a, a little bitty kitchen. I mean, just everything was wrong about it. So not only did I, and I DIY'd so, and my husband refused to help me paint because he thought the new people shouldn't pick the color. Doesn't know he's married to. So I went in and had to paint it all over twice. It was not fun. Um, so it's costly. And so you definitely don't want to do that. So I cannot express enough how important getting educated on color is to your clients and to your business. And the right paint colors are, are no more expensive. Uh, it's the same price as the wrong ones, right? Yeah. Um, right. So it, it's it's super, super important. Right. So I'm almost ready to start marketing to agents and investors. I'm looking for suggestions on how to best reach out to potential clients. Um, so there's there's lots of ways. Um, so it's not anything that anything is necessarily the best, and it really depends on your personality profile as well. So here's a few things to consider. Number one, you need a stellar website, and you need to be found, especially if you are not in the middle of you know Times Square, New York City. Most other places are going to be a decent a, a decent ability for you to be able to get to the top of the Google pages in your particular area. And it's, it's very few select populations that have so many stagers that are really oversaturated, but if they did, you really need good SEO to be able to get to the top. So Google reviews, uh, Yelp reviews, uh, website reviews, you name it, all of it, good SEO, stellar website. Uh, don't use stock photos, um, only use professional photography because you're going to be recommending that to your clients. And if you're not willing to do it on your own website, that is a red flag for them. Um, and then also, I always like the infiltration method. So if you want, I always say, if you want to get business from real estate agents or investors, you need to party where they party. So for me, networking volunteerism is a term that I coined many years ago. It's something that I strongly um, encourage everybody to get involved with. It's part of the basis of RISA. So a, get involved in a recent chapter. B, join your local association of realtors. Join your local women's council of realtors if you have one in your area. Join your local um, builders association, your investors associations, and go to their meetings. Join as an affiliate member. Um, go to their meetings and just infiltrate. So when you go there, the biggest mistake that you can make is going around and collecting 50 business cards and giving your business card to everybody that has a pulse. I don't recommend that you do that at all quite the opposite. I recommend that you be a little bit more elusive. So if everybody remembers when you were dating or if you're dating now, that one person you've got their eye on and if they ignore you, that's the person you must have and you will do anything you have can do to be able to meet that particular person. So the same thing, you know, when it comes with clients, um, if you're a little bit elusive and a little bit of mystery to you, you're a lot more intriguing to somebody. So if you walk up and you're just introducing and you got vomit of the mouth and you're just let me tell you how I can improve your business. Let me take you to lunch. Let me do this. It's just too thirsty and people get turned off by it. But if you're just a little bit elusive, ask them about their businesses, sit down with people, have lunch, always leave early. I'm sorry, I've got to get to a staging. You got to get it on, you got to photographers there by six o'clock. Nice meeting everybody. See you next time. 
and skirt out the door. So the more elusive you are and the less you shove yourselves down their throats at those types of meetings, the more intrigued they are and they're going to start talking to you and reaching out. But this is not a one and done. You just can't go to one or two meetings. And when I say infiltrate, become a staple. Go every single month, make the investment to yourself. Um, that's my tips. What do you think about this question? Um, yeah, I think that that's really interesting. I think that's that's some good thoughts. And one of the things though, I think is important is building relationship without always selling yourself, right? It's kind of what you were saying. Yeah. Is you don't want to just be in their face constantly. You need to hire me and blah, blah, blah. I mean, a lot of it for me is, is I learned that I needed to show them and I needed to show them in a way that was helpful to them or entertaining to them. And so social media, you can certainly do that on social media. You can, you know, post things about, you know, the work that you're doing, I mean, you know, the afters, before and afters have huge, huge impact. And if they can see the kind of transformations that you're able to make and you're, you're, you know, showing it in an entertaining way or you're telling a story, you know, obviously something very anonymous in terms of your clients, but um, you get them interested and in following you, uh, then when you reach out to them, they, they've heard of you and they know who you are. Um, the good thing about real estate agents is they want to meet everybody, right? So they're easy to find, you know, they're all over billboards and they're sending you flyers in the mail and handing out business cards and all those things. So it's really important to start uh, building your email list so that you can give them um, occasional, it's kind of like the elusive thing that you said, you don't want to be hitting them up um, every week uh, because they'll just unsubscribe or block you or spam, you know, mark you as spam. But if you give them maybe uh, monthly, maybe even quarterly, send them a newsletter with something that's a value to, the, to them, um, some you know, tips and ideas for getting homes ready to sell, and then show them what you do. You know, give them examples based on some things that you've done. And then they see that you do quality work, and that's really important because you can market yourself like crazy. You can um, you know, just be a great salesperson, but if you can't deliver, um, visually, uh, and, and they don't see what you're able to do, you're not really going to be able to set yourself apart from every other person who's hanging out a shingle and saying, hey, I'm a home stager now, you need to hire me. Yep, absolutely. Another thing that you can do, um, if you've staged a couple homes, you've got some good results, go to uh, any type of uh, real estate sales website like um, Redfin. I'm just going to use Redfin as the example. You can do a query on Redfin. It says, give me all the homes that are on the market um, that have been on the market for more than 90 days. You can download everything into a spreadsheet. You can actually look through everything, tag it, then download it to a spreadsheet and look for all the homes that you think you might be able to help. So if you're doing vacants and you find them that they're vacant, great. Create some marketing collateral, a quality flyer, great paper, really good paper, not just copy stock. And have a, a message on the paper that says, uh, is your home been on the market for more than 90 days with no offers? Call us. We can help. We just staged this home in your neighborhood and post the claim to fame. So that means it sold in four days for 10000 over list price. Whatever your statistic is that's favorable, put that on there. Make sure it's beautifully branded, well done. And then, as my good friend Barbara Corcoran says, the proof is in the pudding. Snail mail it to them. Everybody's getting email. So stick it in an envelope, handwrite it and mail it to that particular homeowner. So when also in property records, a lot of times they'll have the actual mailing address of the homeowner if it's vacant and they're not living in it. Sometimes they already have an email or a, 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 a mail forwarding. So the message can eventually get to them. The letter can actually get to them. 
And then you can also, that's if you want to market directly to the homeowner. And then also the agent's name is on the listing. So mail one to them. Do you have a listing that's been on the market for more than 90 days with no offers? We can help. And especially agents, when you want to market to them, anything that was a difficult project for you to do, um, nailed that example to them and to be able to show them the value that you bring to the table. So that's just an, another way to kind of get it out there. When you put it in a spreadsheet, you can also track how many times that you send them a message start every two weeks. Um, and then you'll be able to track, you know, it took like six times, six flyers to send to them uh, before they called or before they inquired in some way, shape or form. Um, and it's inexpensive to do. It's just your time and a stamp. Yeah. And just, you know, don't just think of just targeting real estate agents. I mean, you need to tell everybody what you do. You need to tell all of your contacts what it is you do because everybody has a house. Um, everybody is living somewhere and potentially will be buying a house at some point or know somebody that is, or they, they you know, they have a sister or a friend or whatever. And, um, you know, when I started, uh, it was a whole lot of word of mouth for me. Um, I didn't spend money on advertising at all. It was word of mouth. It was social media. It was showing people what I could do. And most of my referrals came from one person, uh, you know, that referred another person who ends up referring another person and you know I've even in in the same neighborhood um, being able to uh, you know doing work for one person and then I get a phone call from another homeowner down the street in a month because they're selling their home and they knew that I staged their home so just you know don't limit yourself just make sure you're reaching out to everybody and, and not in an aggressive way but just like you know hey this is what I'm doing here's here's you know again just posting things about what you're doing. It doesn't have to be pushy. It's just, you know, uh, talking about this, the stats when you have a really successful staging or, or sharing uh, RESA stats, sharing home staging stats is important for realtors and for homeowners because, you know, I know realtors is where you're mostly going to get your business, but a lot of times homeowners will come to you if they know that you do that and, uh, and they know they need help. Yep, Absolutely. Okay, next question. I recently applied for my wholesale license so I can offer my design clients more options instead of just ordering things online or in stores. What are the best places to shop wholesale? Great question. So, Risa, if, um, hopefully you're a Risa member. If you're not, you should join. Um, and we have a buying group. So what that means is that I've been able to go in and negotiate additional savings besides uh, in addition to the wholesale pricing. So wholesale comes in typically... Uh, your basic three levels, you've got your designer, your showroom pricing, which any stager can get walking through that door. And you've got your wholesale slash stocking dealer price. Um, and that's usually where you have to meet some sort of minimums. And they can be, you know, they can be a $100,000 minimum, they can be a $25,000 minimum. Um, I think most are at least 10 for a lot of these uh, providers. But I can go in and then you've got your container pricing. So if you're going to order like 60 sofas, I'm going to ship it over in a container. So what I'm able to do is go in and say, hey, we're a group of stagers. Look at us as a whole instead of onesies and twosies. Give us my members an additional discount. So if you go to resubbuyinggroup.com, you can see a lot of the uh, providers, the vendors that we work with. And then also look to the furniture market. So um, Dallas, Atlanta, um, Vegas, obviously, High Point, obviously. So there's all these different furniture markets that you can actually physically go to, to go inside, touch it, feel it. Thousands of square feet, some several buildings and High Point's an entire town um, worth of 
um, furniture vendors that you can shop with. So there's a, there's a few of them out there. So just go and look and it's not something that you can just uh, shop today to buy for next week. So you want to plan to scale your business. And there's some, definitely some CE classes out there about that as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I completely agree. If you're doing staging, you need to be using that Risa Fine group. Now, the question uh, did say something about design clients. So yeah. that may be a little different because you are looking at a different type of, you know, I think a lot of the, the companies that we would use for staging, it might be a little bit different for higher end design clients. Um, but one thing I would suggest is before you jump in and start buying wholesale, if you're just kind of dabbling in the design side, is that you actually work towards getting relationships with local furniture stores and vendors where you can get a commission. If you bring in a client and they purchase something, you can get a commission of the, for that. And so I've made a lot of money over the years uh, doing that without having to take on any of the trouble of, of ordering that stuff and having it delivered somewhere and having to deal warehouse that and having to deal with, you know, if it's broken and I've got to return it. It's, there's a whole lot of um, responsibility that comes with doing wholesale. So um, I would suggest that you maybe start with working through local people where you can get commissions. Absolutely. Great idea on that one. When's a good time to build a website before you launch your business? Absolutely. Here's why. Another mistake. You need to write a book. Top 10 mistakes that new, new stagers make. Here's one of them. Number one <laughs> is that they say, when I've got some money under my belt in about a year, I'll build the website and they go out and they just try to build one on their own. And it's absolutely horrible. And they are so proud of it because they've done it on their own and they think, Oh my God, this is the best thing since sliced bread. In reality, it's not going to do anything for them. And if you wait a year down the line, now you have to convince a year's worth of people that you've exposed to yourself to give you another look because either you didn't have a website or the website that you had was not sufficient. So before you launch to get your first client is imperative to get your website. You don't, you absolutely do not have to have staged 50 homes in order to do it. You don't even have to have a portfolio listed on your website. As long as you can stage some rooms, uh, you know, yours, your friends, your neighbors, your moms, your brothers, whoever, stage a few rooms, get some before and after photos. And even if you only have the afters, it's fine too, but strategically place them throughout your website and that you don't have to have an actual portfolio page. So people don't have to thumb through 50 you know, different homes to see what your look is. Just show some really great photos up front. Make sure they're professionally shot um, or at least look like they are. I know iPhones have come a long way, but you really have to make it look stellar with the lighting and everything. You need to photo style those particular shots and put them on your website. Uh, so that's my little take on that. And while you're getting those photographs made, you need to get uh, some professional headshots. Yes. Or, or some lifestyle kinds of poses that you do, you know, in a house that you're staging or, or working on. Uh, those are, are very, very helpful. You know, you want to have, you want to come across as a professional and you're not going to come across as a professional if it's a picture that your 10 year old took of you, you know, with your iPhone. Yeah, exactly. What do you charge for a color consultation and how many hours? This one's all you. All right. Um, okay, so first of all, um, there's different situations where I might be doing a paint color consultation. So if I'm doing it, if it's an occupied staging and I'm doing a staging consultation, 
I always include a paint color consultation within that consultation. And that's kind of my value added. That's what kind of sets me apart from maybe other stagers or, you know, who do staging consultations, but really don't get into those kind of specifics. And so I don't charge extra for that. It's just part of that consultation cost. However, um, I, it's, it's a limited, it's different. If I'm, if I'm doing paint colors for a staging, I have a system that I've developed and I have my, my painted boards and everything and I come into the house and I can go through them real quickly and figure out what colors I'm going to use um, because I'm just, it's to sell. I don't have to please the agent. I don't have to please the seller. I just need to please the buyers and I know how to do that and know which colors to use and where to use them. And so that doesn't take that long. It maybe takes 20 minutes out of my consultation. And so, um, so yeah, so that's, that's how I do for that. Now, when it comes to, if it's a vacant staging and um, there needs, everything needs to be repainted, which that sometimes happens, um, then I do charge like I would charge for a design related paint color consultation. Um, so I'll just give you an example. There is a, a local builder that for several years here in Nashville, um, after I was no longer doing vacant staging, um, they, they wanted me to do vacant staging. I was like, well, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm kind of specializing here and there. And, um, but they, anyway, I said, you know, I can do the paint colors. I can do help choose your lighting. I can do some things like that, that are more design related. And then, so that's what they started doing. They started hiring me to consult on the tile and the lighting and to pick their paint colors for the, the whole interior schemes and the exterior schemes. And so I did that for a number of years for this one specific builder. And the, the person who did the vacant staging was my very good friend, Anthea Click here in town, who is a fantastic vacant stager. And so we kind of did that, I mean, separately, uh, but worked together where I would do the, the paint color scheme and then she'd come in and stage it. So, um, so yeah, that's something you would definitely charge for. Obviously don't, you know, for a vacant staging bid, you're not going to, most people are not going to charge a fee for that. Um, because it's not like intensive, like an occupied staging where you have to really come up with lots of different recommendations and things, um, that you don't have to do on a vacant, you just have to bid, bid the job. Right. Yep. Um, but if you're doing a paint color consultation, you definitely need to be charging for that. That's really, really important. If it's a design related, you know, somebody's living there. And let me just tell you, I never really intended to do this for design clients. I never intended to do this in the beginning. All I was interested in was doing home staging. And when paint colors, when I started using paint colors and that really transformed the spaces in ways uh, that just going in there and staging really didn't. And I got to be known for that. Um, people who I would stage their house and choose their paint colors, you know, they've lived in their house 10 years and I do the paint colors and they're like, whoa, we had no idea that our house could look like this. Can you help us with our next house? And that's, and that's how it happened. And then I'd work for a realtor and do a couple of paint, paint color consultations for their uh, staging clients. And then they would be like, whoa, I can't believe this. Can you come to my house and do my house? So I've done, you know, I don't know how many uh, realtors, in, you know, here in Nashville and the surrounding areas, I've done all their paint colors in their houses. Um, so it just kind of builds from there. And so for me, and I don't know if you want me to throw out specific prices, I don't mind. It's um, a range. Okay. Well, let me put it this way. What you don't want to do is go in there and say, um, you know, for an hour, I'll come in and do such and such. It, 
in the way that I do a design paint color consultation, it is a process and there's lots of steps in the process and a lot of feedback that you need from the homeowner because you want it to be the right colors for the house, but you also want it to, the, the, the homeowner to love it, right? So it needs to, you know, appeal to their personality as well. So it, it's a process and it takes time. And the way I structure it is I have a two hour flat fee up to two hours. And if they use all that time, great. If they use an hour and a half, great, but it's the same flat fee. And so for me, I charge $400 for the first two hours. It's a higher price than I would charge for subsequent hours. And if it takes longer than that, you know, like in two hours, I can usually get the main neutral um, trim color, maybe a few accent colors, maybe a few memory colors. I have this whole system for that. And um, so maybe I can get, you know, three to five rooms completely um, uh, chosen. And then if, you know, they have a big house, they have 10 rooms, it's going to take me another hour, hour and a half. And then I charge uh, subsequent hours at a lower rate. So like $125 an hour after that. Um, never do just, you know, somebody says, uh, how much will it cost? I just want one room done. Will you do it for $50? It, it's only going to take you 30 minutes. No, <laughs> no, that's not. You, you've got to set your, your bottom, you know, what it's worth uh, to you to get in your car and go and do the work. Um, so it's always, it's always good, I think, to have a flat fee minimum. Um, and for me, it's two hours flat fee. And then as long as they need me after that, I just charge hourly. There you go. Makes good sense to me. What system do you have in place to keep track of your properties? Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of different ways. And, and Shell, you may know some, some more ways to do this. Uh, you know, spreadsheets, you know, just I'm, I'm kind of a pen and paper person. Um, I mean, I, I want to write it down. I, you know, I keep it on my computer, but I also like to have things written out or I'll print them out so I can go and look back over them on, you know, on a monthly basis and that kind of thing. The hardest part of this is, um, depending on your personality, is just being able to keep up with that kind of stuff and following up with agents and following up with homeowners. And, but it is, it's really important and to track your stats because you can use those when you are marketing yourself and you can track your, you know, the, the general staging statistics are great to use. However, if you're a really good stager and you're really doing great work, your stats may even be better than yeah. the average stager. So it makes sense to keep track of your own stats and then to promote those in those newsletters or on social media, or, you know, when you're talking to a realtor and they want to know, you know, why are you different than somebody else? And then you can pull out those stats and it's really, really helpful. That's why. This is why. That's exactly it. You nailed it. When leaning extra large art on the wall on top of a console, do you have any tricks or tips? She's afraid it's going to fall. Okay. If you're afraid it's going to fall, don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, it's a liability, right? Um, especially for staging. Oh my gosh. But um, so I, I can remember one time, Several years ago, I had a design client and um, I, it was a, there was a massive mirror that I had to hang and, um, and I hung it on uh, nails and hook, you know, the whole, I, I didn't use the, the right uh, appropriate size for the, for the weight of it. And it fell the next day 
and rip the big holes in her walls and crack the frame of it. So that was an expensive mistake for me, right? You certainly don't want to do anything. It's like stacking rugs or something, you know, rugs on rugs in, um, in staged homes. You don't want to do anything that's going to cause a tripping hazard or, you know, somebody's going to bump into something that's going to fall over. So if you have extra, and I, I assume maybe they're talking about on a, maybe on a mantle or something like that. A lot of times people will lean something on a mantle. Um, yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't do it. I would hang it appropriately four to six inches yeah. above that mantle. It looks so much better anyway, or, yeah. or, or don't do it. Um, find something else to, to put up there that you can hang. It's just too dangerous. Yep, I agree. If you're not comfortable and you don't have the confidence, don't do it. Yeah. So debating between using the word staging versus styling in my business name, doing owner-occupied work, now using light merchandise, bedding, accessories. Do you feel this industry is trending more towards the term styling? Um, I don't. Depends on what country you're from. That I see it in what I do. I see um, a lot of um, in the UK. A lot of times they use the word styling. Um, a lot of Canadians use the word styling. Um, I don't see. I don't see the United States dumping the term staging. No. Um, in fact, it's interesting. I mean, more and more people know what real estate staging is. But a lot of times, I'll have people come to me. I mean, actually. Okay, so there's this this woman that um, is starting a new um, some kind of hybrid school here in town, and um, our, my kids had been in a previous school that she was in in the past, and so she contacted me and said, "I need you to come and stage my new facility, and um, with furniture and da 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 da." And I said, "Stage it? You want to rent rent it?" And she was, said, "No, I want you to stage it." for my new school. And I said, Oh, so, so people still confuse what staging is and they assume that that's just moving your furniture around or helping you buy furniture or whatever. So there's already some confusion there. And I had to explain to her, well, okay, so you're actually talking about, you want me to help you design your space. Right. Um, that's different. Right. So I kind of think that we need to be very explicit when we're talking about staging, we're talking about selling. Um, let's don't confuse it. But I will tell you that back in the day, uh, before I was the decorologist, I had another name for my company. It was called Stonebrook Staging in the beginning. And I called it Stonebrook Staging at first. And then so many people were asking me to do other kinds of things like decorating and, and stuff. So I added on an interior styling. So I did use that for a while. And I think um, that people see that maybe people think they can use the word styling because you know you can't call yourself an interior designer if you're not a licensed uh you know degreed interior designer um but you can say you know i'm an interior stylist or i'm an interior decorator or those kinds of things i like to refer to myself when i'm working with design clients that i'm not an interior designer but i am a design consultant because I'm consulting on things. I may not, you know, like do the whole thing from scratch. We're not going to do custom furniture and those kinds of things. Um, but I can help you with finishes. I can help you with paint colors. I can help you choose your furniture. I can help you arrange it. I can help you hang art. Um, and so I consider myself more a design consultant. And again, it, there's less responsibility in that because I'm not doing all the ordering. I'm not taking all the deliveries. I'm not having things custom made and then it gets to them and they don't like it. They're responsible for ordering everything and paying for everything. And I get commissions on the back end, but I help them make the right choices. And that's worked out really well for me. Okay. So Resacon, we're at the end. Uh, let me give you some updates here. Resacon, normally it's in July. However, we've been delayed this year. <laughs> So, Risacon, September 30th and October 1st. 
Uh, we will hopefully start marketing this in the next 10 days-ish, hopefully, maybe. Uh, we hope to get this out um, as quickly as we can. Uh, we've got an amazing lineup of, of uh, on-demand sessions this year. I believe we're going to have uh, at least four keynote speakers and a panel of experts, such as uh, Christy's going to be invited. So we're springing that on her today to be invited to be on our panel um, to be talk about everything industry-related. Um, and the Home Staging Industry Awards, if you are new to the industry and you've uh, got a couple stages under your belt in the last 12 months, consider applying for um, the Rising Star Stager of the Year. It's for new stagers that have been in business less than two years. If you happen to be on this and you've been in for more than two years, that's great too. We've got other categories for you as well. So check out homestagingindustryawards.com. We just put that into the chat box. So thank you very much. We have... Um, we have to end on time at five. So we've got about eight minutes. If there's any last dying questions that you we haven't covered something, type it in the chat box. We will get to those as quickly as possible. I think I have, might have one more slide here. Uh, here's the uh, training providers. I already talked about this on our website. Um, so please go and check everybody out. And then also information on the buying group. We had um, Someone asked some questions about uh, different wholesale providers. These are the ones that we work with, but if you go to resabuyinggroup.com, uh, you can see all of them um, that we work with. And if you if there's someone on your list that you like working with that we don't have on our list, shoot me an email, let me know. If you have a contact, connect us, and I'll see what I can do to get them into the buying group. Okay, so Sherry's got a question. What is your advice for a stager who's launched their, who has launched the business but has no clients yet? Loaded question, Sherry. So that is um, hard to really answer because we don't know what it is that you've done. But what my advice would be is uh, keep with it. Uh, make sure that um, all your ducks in the row, that you've got a great website, that you've got your marketing collateral down. If you don't have education and you haven't taken a class, take one because you don't know what you don't know. So if you've started it, uh, depending on how long you started, you didn't mention that. So if you started it two years ago and you still don't have any business, chances are you might want to take a class because um, they can get you back on track. A lot of times some um, people start out and they kind of um, don't get started right out the gate. Um, so, okay, so she's done all that and she's certified. So Sherry, let me ask you this. What do you think your hangup is? And Sherry, let me ask you, would you like to come on camera and talk? I think we might be able to do that. I'm not sure. Nope, I can't see that. I can't do that with somebody right here. Uh, so type in there. Um, hang on here. We can. I don't see how if she's agreeing to. I'm, I'm pushing the buttons, Felicia. Oh, Sherry, if you want to come on camera, turn on your camera. And I believe that you can and your audio. And that will pull you right in. So I was asking, no cameras and monitors. Okay, uh, what, well, we'd have to ask you, what do you think that your hangup is? What is it that's that's making it so you're not landing any jobs? Um, so I'll kind of throw some ideas out there while you're typing back to me. Um, but I would say the biggest um, hearing a situation like this, if you started, you've been out there for a while, you're not getting jobs, it's probably not being able to close a sale. So that might have a lot to do with confidence, um, using the right terminology, it could be if your website's not fantastic and um, you're talking to people and you're sending to the website that's subpar, they're going to judge you for that. So literally everything it is, every interaction that you're doing 
um, you're uh, on, on trial. People are, are looking to you. They're going to judge you for every single thing. So it's really hard to kind of answer this question. Uh, Market in Greater Seattle. Uh, they're selling before they can stage. Great website through HSR. Yes, then you probably do have a great one. So here's the thing. Uh, Seattle's a great booming market. They've been staging there for years. It's the birthplace of staging is Washington State. Um, so it should be a great market and great that things are selling right now. So the key is what you need to do is be able to figure out how to sell your value on top of that. Because if everything's selling, no matter what it looks like, and um, it's just flying off the shelf, People are leaving money on the table. So if you can convey to potential clients that um, by staging, they can possibly receive more offers and get um, over list price. And if that's attractive to them, then they would want to stage. Um, and Sherry are part of the Risa Seattle chapter. Also, yeah, reach out to our Seattle chapter. Uh, get some feedback. Get involved. Um, also, you can reach out to me and you can set up a time for a 30-minute career counseling call. I offer these to Risa members. There's no charge for it, but you can work directly with me. Tell me exactly what's going on. I review your website, give you some feedback, and then I can answer direct questions and we can actually have a dialogue that more that we can do with this. So we've got three minutes. Well, I have something to say about that one as well. Sure. Um, in markets like that, and I mean, Nashville's market is crazy. It's crazy. And I know it's that way all across the U.S. right now. And it's, it, But it's exactly what you said. You know, yeah, they're going to sell fast, but are you leaving money on the table? Because yeah. visually, what, the, what those photos turn out looking like, what people are seeing online, there are people um, flocking to, to my area from California right now. And they will buy sight unseen, you know, just by looking at the pictures online and for for crazy like hundred thousand dollars above asking it's it's insane yes. um but you want to have you want to have that property looking so great so maybe what you do uh was it sherry is that her name sherry yes um you know maybe if you can't get you know if you're trying to do vacant staging or you're trying to do occupied staging maybe you you uh, kind of pivot a little bit you know depending on what's going on in your market and maybe you offer um you know staging consultations because if you can get help that realtor get the property get the homeowner to understand what they need to do to prepare it even if they don't go in and, and let you come in you don't have time to go in and do occupied staging but that staging consultation is full of value and if they just follow your recommendations it'll make a world of difference for them and you can make money on staging consultations don't you know that's just because you don't get get the occupied staging part of that if you can get the staging consultations that would be great or even offer like photo styling um uh for for real estate um uh, for the photography and go in and spend two hours photo styling before the photographer comes in and you can offer that kind of service you can offer speed staging service um, which i've done a lot in the past where um, maybe occupied staging was, was a hard sell to a seller, but the realtor was willing to, you know, we worked a deal and he was willing to pay me for two hours to go in, go in there sight unseen with no consultation and just do what I could in two hours and walk away. And so maybe you offer something like that because maybe they don't want to wait and go through the process of occupied staging, but they might do that. Yep, absolutely. We had one uh, private question that came in. Do we recommend incorporating your business? That is not something that either one of us can really answer. There are tax implications. There are reasons to incorporate, reasons not to incorporate. Uh, so you definitely want to check with your attorney, your CPA, and so you understand what all those implications are. Um, 
and that's it. That's it. We've it's five o'clock. We've got to wrap it up for tonight. I so appreciate your insight, uh, Christy Barnett. You're one of my most favorite people in the industry. You're always great to have on these webinars. You're just a wealth of knowledge. For everybody else, please check out um, Christy's website, which Christy, you're going to call that out right now so they know how to well, find yeah. you. You can find everything on thedecorologist.com. And there's a, a tab at the, I mean, I have blogs. I've been writing blogs for since 2009. So there's tons of, of blogs about design, color, and staging. And then, um, you know, how you can learn from me. There's a tab at the top about that. Yep. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me. Check out uh, resaconvention.com. Look for our socials and our newsletters for the awards and the convention when we start selling tickets uh, shortly. All right. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, happy staging. Bye.